that this is how I start every single one. <laughs> I feel like it's maybe just my thing now. Um, but okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Danielle Green, and I'm the host of the Discuss with DG podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. Um, her name is Annie Howard. We've actually known each other for a very long time. I'm pretty sure Annie was one of my first life group leaders. Um, if you don't know what life group is, we are part of um, a church in Waco called Antioch Community Church. And they have like just groups where you meet once a week and like hang out and like read the Bible and like all that stuff. So that is how Annie and I met, which I think it was like 10 years ago now, because that's when I was a freshman. And yeah, so wild. Um, so basically today, Annie and I are going to be talking about our experience at Antioch, um, because we've, we've both left and we just, we've had some conversations, um, over probably like the past, I don't know, year or so just about our experiences. And so really just want to like dive into her experience with Antioch. Um, because if I'm not mistaken, she was also like on staff. So there's just, there's a lot, a lot there. And so that is what we are going to talk about today. Um, so Annie, I would just love it if you could, you know, kind of just give the folks some background about yourself. Um, sure. you know, like where you grew up, how you got to Baylor, how you got involved in Antioch, and then we can go from there. Great. Uh, so excited to be here, Danielle. Yes. Can't believe it. <laughs> Um, definitely thinking back on how long we have known each other. I don't know that I would have ever thought that we would be recording a podcast and also not about how much we hate Antioch. <laughs> it's um, so true. <laughs> but um, so I it was born and raised in Texas, um, born in Houston, but spent the majority of my life in the suburbs of Dallas. So um I grew up religion-wise Southern Baptist, a Texas staple, and um, I remember really loving God very early on, like very genuinely. Um, I gave my life to Jesus, did that in air quotes, realized podcast people can't see that. <laughs> um, I gave my life to Jesus when I was four, and it was very like genuine, turned to my dad in the middle of a church service and was like, we have to go up to the front during an altar call. And he was like, well, if you want to go, you kind of have to go by yourself. And I was like, fine, I will. As the very decisive four-year-old, um, <laughs> I'm sure there were like grandmas crying and things like that. Um, and I remember being so annoyed because after, you know, did the whole prayer thing, talked to people and my parents and stuff, my parents like definitely did not believe that it was real for me and that I like really knew what I was doing and they wouldn't let me get baptized till I was like eight, which probably was also more because they had a bunch of infants. I'm the oldest of five kids. So yeah. they were, mm -hmm. you know, having lots of children and didn't have time to think <laughs> about the logistics of getting me baptized. They, were but busy. they said it was because they didn't, they wanted to make sure I was sure and I remember just being so mad about that because I was like, I am sure I know that this is real to me and just being strong willed from the beginning. I was going to say, uh -huh. I can just picture little Annie. <laughs> None of that is surprising. None of that is surprising. <laughs> yes. Um, and that was pretty indicative of how I felt towards God up all the way through high school, even as I like, you know, went through the normal ebbs and flows of you know, middle mm -hmm. school being like very in youth group and then high school, like getting a boyfriend and starting to like, mm -hmm. you know, venture out into the world of physical attraction <laughs> to boys and like kind of backing away from religion, then still was just very certain that like, I love God. I believe in God. I, this is a like foundation for me. So that was how I was raised. And, um, even when my family, like I mentioned, having four siblings, my family was super busy all the time. I, um, was the only one who was not an athlete. So I was the one who was like, every Sunday, I'm going to go to church every Wednesday. I'm going to go to church. I get it that y'all can't come because like, mm 
-hmm. You have hockey games and practices and gymnastics meets and all these things, but like, I want you to take me. So uh, even from the beginning, it was very even individualized to me. It wasn't this group think thing where I feel like a lot of the South experiences that Mm -hmm. it was very much so true and real to me. So then going to Baylor or I guess going into senior year, decided I wanted to go to Baylor. My parents are Baylor grads. So that was really simple and easy for me. Oldest child, again, just following in their footsteps. (laughs) And when I got to Baylor, I actually did summer school at Baylor. So Mm -hmm. I had to, I was provisionally accepted or whatever Mm -hmm. they call that. And so I did summer session and me and the one like guy friend that I made during that time, we went to a different church every week. Cause we were like, I mean, I guess we're going to figure this out. It really was not my plan to be church girl at Baylor. <laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm breaking free from who I was in high school, which I was perceived as very like angelic, perfect type of person, mm-hmm. very girl next door type, even though I was doing bad things. I just wasn't telling people about them. That was more of the vibe. Oh, weren't um, <laughs> So going to Baylor, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in college. My parents don't give a rip if I drink. They cared until I turned 18. Why? Who knows? <laughs> but um, I was like, I can go to Baylor. I can, you know, join a sorority. I can start to party. It's so much fun. I love being drunk. Like that's what I wanted to do. But when I went to this summer session, I met a boy who was a young life leader Mm. and I was immediately like, okay, well, I guess that I am going to act this way because I like him, Mm. which is so annoying, but here we are. Yes. And so anyway, so I started going to all these churches with him Okay. and it was just what we did every week. When we went to Antioch the first time, we actually showed up an hour late which is random, but so we were only there. We missed worship, which we'll dive into the manipulation that happens via Antioch worship services later, Mm -hmm. but we missed worship and we only watched the preacher and the, the guy who was preaching that Sunday was Fred Nelson, who I consider to be one of their most well-balanced people actually went to seminary, knows things, hasn't only gone to Antioch his entire, you know, adult life all around good human being. And so we, I really loved it, but didn't feel super drawn in, in any way. It was like, Oh, this is cool. Like I'll consider coming back here. Sure. Mm -hmm. But again, we had missed the more emotional side on the front end. And um, yeah, that was it for the next couple months, probably. Then when we came back for the start of the fall semester, And everyone was back at school. It wasn't, you know, the small bubble of summer school. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some girls who I had went to high school with that were a year older than me, they were going to Antioch. And so they invited me to come. Classic Antioch move, Mm -hmm. get all the freshmen. All of them. So uh, I went to, I think my first event was actually a like section outreach, which to explain to the listeners, the way that Antioch kind of works is, you have the whole church, then it's broken down into zones by age groups. So you would have like college, high school, and then they'd have young adults, families, and older, like senior people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in there, you're going to have your sections, which is basically just a group of life groups. And then within that, a life group, which is probably eight to 10 people. And so this was a section outing for college life groups. So it was a probably 50 college kids all doing like an outreach type thing at one of the local, uh, I think it was one of the local like section eight housing areas in Waco. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we were doing a normal set type thing where they're going to talk about God and play games and probably bring a pinata or something (laughs) dumb. And uh, it was fun. And I became really good friends or I really liked one of the girl leaders and she seemed to really like me and we just kind of like hit it off. And then that next Sunday, um, the same girl from my high school who had invited me to that invited me to a church with her. And I went and that time I got the full Antioch experience of, um, got there for worship. A guy on the end of the row I was sitting on was speaking in tongues the whole time. I didn't know what that was really. I had for, 
literally, I mean, the, we all know the Baptist church is very afraid of spiritual gifts. I don't think that that's great either. There's, you know, it's a pendulum swing either way, Right. but they, so I actually, from my memory of it, because I had never heard any sort of teaching on it in the Baptist church, I thought that tongues was a sign that someone was possessed. So I thought this guy was like (laughs) doing like a double worshipy type thing in the middle of the service. And I was so afraid. And actually, even after I knew what tongues was like, you know, four years later, I saw that same guy in the Baylor library and I was still afraid of him, even though I now knew that it was, you know, quote unquote, fine. And within my paradigm of life at that point and cried throughout the whole worship service. And uh, yeah, I was hooked Mm -hmm. there, you know, there it all happened. So that was how I ended up there. Um, My first year at Antioch was a little first year and a half at Antioch was a little rocky. I was like a very classic college student of like, you know, doing the back and forth of like, oh, when I go home, I get drunk with all my high school friends, or I, you know, have sex with my ex-boyfriend from high school. And then I come back here and I not doing any of that stuff. Cause all my friends that I've developed at this point are also from Antioch. Yep. And it was just this weird thing where obviously it was figuring out like what was going to be my place at Baylor. Um, I didn't end up doing the sorority thing. So then there was also that, like all the, the second half of freshman year, all these girls are going through, you know, their pledge or whatever and all of that. And I'm trying to figure out where I fit within the context of that. And Antioch is this other thing that almost feels like its own sorority or fraternity in and of itself. That is a really good way to put it. I was also doing young life, which we can talk about how Antioch feels about other Christian organizations. They don't know Um, God. They don't know God. (laughs) Um, But it was just, it was a lot. And then at the end of my freshman year, I went away for the summer, came back to Waco and was like, I really like, don't need this. Like, why do I need to be uber Christian girl? There's literally millions of people in the world who don't even believe in God and are living like perfectly lovely lives where they're graduating and getting great jobs and having kids and all of these things. So why do I need to be like so devout? And I went through a semester of just like getting drunk all the time and it was Mm -hmm. awesome, but I didn't recognize (laughs) it was awesome at the time. But um, at the end of it though, because most of my friends were either Antioch people or sorority in sororities, I was actually super lonely because I couldn't tell my Antioch friends that I was, you know, Mm -hmm. living my life this way. My friends who were in sororities, because I still was like eligible to rush, weren't allowed to hang out with me, which was so annoying and very stupid. Uh, So I was just super, super lonely and super depressed by the end of my first semester of my sophomore year. And after that is when I actually had an encounter at a different church in Waco. Same experience as Antioch, but um, at Acts. Okay. I don't know if you remember yeah. Acts, but another evangelical, highly spiritual, like more Pentecostal leaning church in Waco and became really good friends with some people there, had some uh, interesting Holy Spirit encounters. And that kind of drew me back into everything at Antioch. And um, I could, honestly, I couldn't even tell you at this point in time why I didn't just stay at Axe when those were the people I was hanging out with. I, for some reason, still chose to go back to Antioch. And I really don't remember why at this point mm. in time. So this, oh yeah, I didn't say uh, this was, I was a freshman at Baylor in 2008. So all of this is happening 12 or 13 years ago. Is that right? Yeah. So my like coming back, coming back to mm. God moment was, um, in January of 2010, when I was a sophomore. Okay. So from then on, that's when I was like 100% in Antioch is my entire life. Antioch is my number one defining trait. Yes. And um, yeah, that's, that's really how I got to where 
I was really when you met me mm-hmm. and then really where I was up until 2019. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did not realize that it was 2019 because we like you went to California. I don't remember when you went to California, but I know you came back for a time because we worked together from summer of 2016 until I left Waco in 2017 at Simple Bills, which we'll just not even go there. <laughs> we will not go there. Well, that's another thing to talk about about Antioch. We'll oh, well, that's we'll fair. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. put a pin in that. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting that it was like two years after that. Okay, so. Mm-hmm. Tell me, I want to talk about like, all right, it's 2019, go there, go to 2019. Like, where are you at? What makes you start questioning things? If that's why you left, start there. Yeah. So my, I would say that my process of leaving really started in probably September of 2018. Okay. I was living in Orange County, California. Um, I was on staff at one of Antioch's newer church plants a church plant that I had actually gone out there to help start in 2014, which was, I was there in 2014 for about a year in 2015, actually moved back to Waco with the intention of going overseas with Antioch. I was supposed to be moving to Dubai to join that team as their admin. Um, But once I got back to Waco, realized I, I really wasn't ready to go overseas I'm infinitely glad that I did not go overseas now, Um, but wasn't ready to go overseas. I had been like admitted to the church planning school and all of that um, and was working at Simple Bills. Simple Bills was going to allow me to work there while I was attending the school. Um, And then I was supposed to be leaving at the end of, I was supposed to be literally leaving at the end of 2015 to move to the Middle East, Um, but had decided to stay. So I just stayed in Waco for about maybe two years. Um, and then Antioch Fullerton called me and they asked me if I would come back out and be on staff as their communications director and then helping run their D school, uh, their discipleship school. So uh, to explain discipleship school really quick, oh, gosh. very high level. <laughs> Antioch does these cl- like essentially a year long program, usually for people who have recently graduated. But once you get at least in Waco, it's mostly people who have recently graduated. And then once you extend out to the church plants, it's, it's more broad, the age range, but you basically spend a year where you go to class, maybe two to three times a week. And you hear from different Antioch speakers throughout the whole year. And you also have to like read the whole Bible in a year and memorize all these verses. And then at the end, you go on a big, like month long trip but it's supposed to be a discipleship training school and it's very missions focused. So I was moving out there to be on staff with the school and then also, yeah, be the communication instructor for the church. And in 2018, I had been on staff for a little over a year. Um, In September, 2018, my grandpa had a heart attack and he was living here in Texas. Most of my family was back here in Texas at that point with the exception of maybe a couple of my siblings. And um, it was an extreme feeling of loneliness of just like, I can't get to the people who are most important to me because I live several States away, which that doesn't have anything to do with Antioch, but it just kicked off this kind of homesickness that was growing Mm -hmm. in me over the next few months to where I was already thinking about, do I want to be on staff? anymore? And do I want to move back to Dallas, which I had felt like when I was praying before I said yes to be on staff, that the Lord had told me that I was going to, I was going to work for either Antioch Fullerton or Antioch Austin for the remainder of my twenties, which I'm 30 now. It's really easy to remember because I was born in 1990. My birth, what year I am (laughs) always lines up with the last digit of the, uh, of whatever the year is. So, um, I'm 30 now. I left Antioch when I was 29. So I, I broke that whatever (laughs) vow. I don't know. Um, but in 2018, in November of 2018, I actually was listening to a podcast about the cult Nexium, which has nothing to do with Antioch. It really doesn't. It's like, they are so not even remotely related to each other other than controlling people 
but this Nexium is a cult that's more um, like Scientology kind of like self-improvement based. Actually, a lot of people think that the guy who started it stole a lot of the his philosophies from Scientology and just rebranded it. Um, so it's they're they're selling like self-improvement classes and it got kind of turned into a sex cult type thing. Again, I want to be clear that this has nothing to do with Antioch. So <laughs> there is no relation. No, 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 no. Um, we are not. That is not what we were no. saying about Antioch. <laughs> but what was interesting was I was listening to one of the later episodes in this series. Um, and they were talking about how one of the girls who ended up being a big whistleblower for it, she would ask questions. And instead of people answering her about why she needed to say, like, do one of these classes or do a, they would do these things where you would go in and like kind of relive all of your trauma and then they would help you dissect it. And she would, when she would ask questions that they wouldn't give her actual concrete answers to things. They would just say, well, what is it in you that's making you not trust this process? That's probably what we need to really work on here. And so I was thinking about that and I was like, I have had that happen to me before Mm -hmm. at Antioch numerous times within the context of discipleship. So discipleship, meaning like one-on-one mentorship, not the discipleship school, though I'm sure it happened there too. And it just dawned on me like, oh, they're, these are like control tactics to try to get everyone to just like move forward with the same thing. They want the stream going forward. They, they don't want anyone causing a bump in the road or causing any friction. And it just got me thinking. And actually that night I texted two of our mutual friends, one of them, a, uh, I don't think he would care if I said his name. One of them, a guy, friend of ours, I literally texted him and said, oh my gosh, is Antioch a cult? Because I knew he had already left. And he was like, I don't think they're a cult. I think that they're a like bordering on cult-like group. So literally that was my first response was like, oh my God, Antioch is a cult. I don't know how to process this because this is what I've given like the last 10 years of my life to. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the next phone call I made was to our mutual friend, Ashley. And just like, I mean, I was just weeping on the phone, just like, how did we like get here? Mm. Um, Which she had already left at that point also, but it was just like, I, what have we been like doing? Yeah. What have we been a part of? Like, I, I really thought I believed in this thing. And now I'm all of a sudden, like it, it really did feel like the floor was falling out from underneath me. And I was like, yeah. Like I've spent my entire adult adult life building up this thing and building up my own beliefs in this thing. And now mm-hmm. I, I don't really know how I believe in it anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was really hard, obviously, because I mean, at that point in time, it was 2018. So it's literally been 10 years. Like I yeah. just had my 10 year Antioch anniversary or whatever. And so that, that was really weird. And I spent the next few months in this weird wrestling place of, do I leave? Do I move? I felt like God told me to stay till I was 30. That would be a whole other year. Like that would be a year and a half at this point in time, which felt just enormous. Mm -hmm. It felt insurmountable. And what I kind of, I, and I was just, I mean, I was stuffing, I was stuffing so hard. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I just was trying to, I was really trying to not think about it because what I knew was my lease is not up till August. I'm not going to stay here in Southern California and like leave Antioch and just get a normal job here because that felt crazy. So it, I was just like, I can't think about this till next year. At this point, it's 2018. I was like, I can't think about this till 2019 In 2019. I'll, I was like, I'll pray about it. I'll do like a 30 day journal or something like that. I didn't do any of those things. I literally didn't think about it, but then I kept telling people I had no plans and didn't know anything. Only my very closest friends even knew I was thinking about this, obviously. And then um, internally, I just, I knew, I already knew. I knew even, honestly, I even knew in September before I even had the questions about Antioch of if I wanted to leave or not. 
but I just couldn't come to terms with that because honestly, what Antioch had instilled in me was that there was a certain process for making decisions and groups of people need to be involved in me making choices. Yes. And I just, I didn't think I there, I didn't feel like there were any safe spaces for me to actually process this big of a thing within the context of Antioch, because it was about essentially the validity of Antioch. Yeah. And that just felt like I couldn't do that with them. And not because any of these people had particularly hurt me or anything like that, or done anything to make me not trust them at this point in time, where I was at with the Fullerton group, I actually had really great relationships with all of those people. And, and I still trust most of them to this day. They've done some questionable things that I don't agree with on a fundamental level, but they never did, never had any sort of like painful interpersonal relationships with them mm-hmm. beyond, you know, normal right. friendship things. Right. Um, so then there also was that where it was like, I, I don't even want to bring this up to them because it doesn't actually have to do with them. And I don't want to hurt them mm-hmm. by telling them like, oh, I'm going to leave Antioch. And then them internalizing that it could be because of something they did or that they could have done something to help me stay. When really it was like, I've just realized that I, I don't agree with you guys politically. That had already been blossoming in me for like the past five years. Totally, I went through like a real feminist awakening at 25 that now when I think about it, I'm like, how did I stay at Antioch for that long? Given the fact that they highly undervalue women had already gone through the emotional turmoil of the 2016 election, Yep, which was just, I mean, yeah. We were working together at that time. We sure were. And that was exactly remember. my, that was my breaking point. I literally texted everyone on our team at the office the day after the election and said, please don't talk to me about it because I'm going to spend the whole day crying. And I did cry the entire day. I just sat at my desk and worked mm-hmm. and just wept. But in regards to Antioch, another time that I wept was during Jimmy's message that because the pastor of Antioch Waco always does a who should you, I mean, he wouldn't say that it's a, who should you vote for message, but it is a, who should you vote for message the Sunday before election day. And, um, I just remember sitting in there thinking, how could you have missed this so hugely? And I was sitting alone. I was at a point in time where I really in Waco, I didn't have that many. I wasn't keeping close with that many people at Antioch anymore. I was still friends with a zillion people. Cause that's just the way it is whenever you've been in the same circle of friends for 10 years. But yeah. I, I was sitting by myself and I was just weeping, just thinking, how could you be saying this stuff from the front? How could you, the thing that killed me was, I, I'll never forget it. Him saying that where a candidate falls on abortion rights is enough for him to decide. And I was just like, there are yep. like 30 different issues. How could you pick one that would be enough for you to, to decide, which mm-hmm. I won't even say that that's an Antioch thing. I personally mm-hmm. believe that the like abortion issue is one of the great dupes of the American church uh, by the Republicans, but that could be a whole other podcast. Um, really good. But yeah, so it already lived through the 2016 election, all of that. Um, So it really, there were multiple reasons to leave, whether they were how I felt about women's rights, how I felt about, you know, just the role of the church in American politics. Mm -hmm. Separation of church and state is a very important policy, you guys. (laughs) I would agree with that. Yes. Uh, And then on top of it, kind of coming to grips with the fact that they were trying to basically create an army of people who would just all think the same way and do the same thing and hold the same values. And it's not that there are plenty of churches who are, you know, operating off the sense of we all believe the same thing and that's Mm -hmm. fine. That's just what religion is in general. Yeah. That even crosses beyond churches it's the um, 
weaponization of those people that is concerning to me personally. And when you are sending masses of people to different countries around the world and doing your thing, and then not, and then within the country, sending groups of your basically super soldiers. I just watched the latest uh, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldiers. So we just watched soldiers it this morning. In my yes. mind. <laughs> um, uh, basically sending your group of super soldiers, which are, you know, top tier cream of the crop Antiochers to college campuses all across the country Mm -hmm. and just creating more and more of these people who all think the exact same way. And it's, it's also interesting because I know that most of these people do not have bad intentions behind the things that they're doing. So then I guess into this really weird place where I'm like, I mean, yeah, I guess telling someone that Jesus loves them really isn't that bad, but like the way that you're doing it and then the way that you brainwash them on the back end, it's really not great. Not Mm -hmm. a good look. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, Oh, sorry. I totally lost track of where we even, what we even were talking about. No, that's okay. Yeah. I have plenty of follow-up questions, thoughts. So please keep going. So um, anyway, back to 2019 in March of 2019, I went to a friend's wedding here in Dallas, like one of my best, best friends and, uh, drunkenly at that wedding, just told a bunch of people I was moving back and stuck to the decision. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, the first person I told was like my best friend from high school's mother-in-law. So random, like, I don't know. Um, and yeah, I, I decided I was going to move back had, you know, these grand plans while I was still in Antioch world to, you know, make it this long process with all of these people involved. Like I had always been told that I should, but I just, I, as I had already said, I, I already knew. And so I, yeah, I just, I said that out loud and then it became real to me. And then I just ran with it. And I think I told my parents that weekend. Oh no, actually I took a long time to tell my parents. I was really afraid to tell them. (laughs) I told all my siblings. Um, and then I, I finally told my parents like in May, probably after I had already told Antioch that I was leaving and started that whole process of what that looked like. And then in July, I moved back here and I have been in a church once since I left Antioch, um, it was for a Christmas service that my parents made me go to because yeah, 29, your parents still make you do things. Cool. Um, and I had a panic attack while I was there. Also cool. Um, and then honestly, it's hard to know where I would, where I really would have been in the process without the pandemic because mm-hmm. like the pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. Obviously I didn't go anywhere. Like yeah. I haven't done almost anything um, for over a year now. And I, so, yeah, I mean, people are like, Oh, well, have you like tried? And I'm like, we've been in a pandemic. What do you mean? Have I tried? <laughs> right. And like trying to find um, a church on zoom was just like, not, it doesn't seem great. personally. No, definitely not. Yeah. So, I mean, and my, my interest in getting to like a better place, spiritually or whatever, or really just figuring it out, figuring out what I believe spiritually. I just don't really care about it right now, (laughs) which is interesting because I feel like back in Antioch life, it was like the moment you realize there's a problem, you probably need to start working on it right away. Yeah. I recognize that this is a thing that I need to unpack more and need to have better understanding of, especially because what I realized is I'm, I can't figure out how I feel about God until I fully untangle how I feel about Antioch. They feel so intertwined to me, but at this point in my life where I basically have lived a suppressed and muted version of life for the last over 10 years because of being at Antioch, I'm just not interested in doing the work right now. (laughs) So I'm not. Yeah. I'm just like enjoying my life instead. 
I mean, honestly, I think that's fair. I, so for me, cause I feel like it wouldn't be fair if I didn't share my, um, experience with Antioch. So that way we can compare notes and, you know, all the fun stuff. I've never really publicly spoken out about Antioch. Obviously I've had conversations with friends and people who have also left, but so like I said at the beginning, I met Annie at Life Group, which it was an Antioch Life Group, obviously my freshman year. And I was also very much the, um, I'm interested in Antioch. Like, you know, I was coming from Germany and I was involved with like youth group in Germany. It was called Club Beyond. It was basically like a, a young life equivalent, if you will, for military kids. And so that's like how I chose Baylor and everything like that. So I get involved with Antioch because one of my uh, welcome week leaders was went to Antioch. And so I just got super, super involved. But then I did join a sorority and was like, oh, this is so much fun. Went to Antioch like, I don't know, twice, maybe my freshman year, um, sophomore sem- or I mean, spring semester of my freshman year. Um, and then it was just like, yeah, kind of involved off and on my sophomore year. It was just like really wishwashy, which looking back was totally fine because I was, you know, I was a, uh, I was just a college student just trying to figure it out. But I remember then and even like a few years after I was like, oh, like I really just felt bad about myself for not being so committed to Antioch, which is absolutely ridiculous. But anyways, I'll get back to that. So I remember I studied abroad summer between my sophomore and freshman year and had um, what some could say was too much fun. But I remember coming back and I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. And so junior year of college and on that was when I like really committed to Antioch. I was like super involved in life group and, you know, every Sunday, every college service was all in after I graduated, I did do the discipleship school as well. And that was a very interesting experience. Didn't love it. Didn't love it. I don't think I've ever said that out loud, but it was not a good time for me. And then I didn't know what I was doing with my life at that point, because after the discipleship school, I also thought I was going to go overseas and be a missionary in France. They said no. And I was like, okay, like devastated because I was like, well, that's what I just like spent the last year of my life preparing for. So I started working at Simple Bills with Annie and that was summer of 2016. And that summer was when there were a lot of um, killings of black men by police. And I think Antioch had a like had a fine response to it. Um, I remember like the young adult pastor at that point, like having people over to like pray about it in his living room or whatever. Um, but still just feeling really alone in that because there were not very many black people at Antioch, especially in young adults. And so it just felt I don't know. I was felt pretty alone. And then obviously the election of 2016 devastated. I remember sitting in that exact same sermon and just being like, I'm sorry, what? Um, and feeling really confused that this church that I'd been involved with very heavily for, I guess, like five years up until that point was, you know, basically saying they were supporting a man that was against everything I was and everything I believed in. And so pretty much December of 2016, I was done. Um, and then I left Waco in 20, April of 2017, did engage the nations that summer. I have no idea why, but I just remember I went to World Mandate, which is their like yearly missions conference. And I was already like in my mind done with Antioch, but I was like, I already paid for it. So I'm just going to go. And they talked about Engage the Nations. And I just like felt really deeply that I needed to go, but I did not understand why because I really didn't want to. But, you know, sometimes the gut, you just have to go with your gut. And so that summer, I I left Antioch, Waco, April of 2017. And then May of 2017, went to Sicily for three months. And basically it was there where I was like, I don't think I agree with anything that they do as far as emissions is concerned. <laughs> so that was really interesting. That was really interesting because I was, you know, we're there to share the gospel and evangelize to African refugees who are coming through Sicily into Europe looking for more opportunities. 
But in the meantime, here, let me tell you how much you're a sinner and, but Jesus loves you. And I was like, I cannot do this. I cannot look these people in the face and like completely, I mean, they weren't, people weren't like disregarding their trauma, but I mean, basically like when you're trying to have, like you're having arguments over theology with people because they're Muslim or they don't believe in God, like that just did not sit right with me. So basically that summer I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm just, I will go along, but I did not share the gospel one time because it didn't, it didn't feel appropriate. So it definitely made me question like everything that Antioch uh, stood for basically at that point. Yeah. And that was the very last thing I did with Antioch. So that was my experience with Antioch. So the summer before summer of 2018, the summer of 2018, which was like the last summer I was fully in, I did engage the islands. Oh, a bunch of different engagements. I did engage the islands and I was on the, they had just started a new team. Oh gosh. What was it called? I can't even remember prayer team yeah mm. think about the people who would be on the prayer team in your mm-hmm. mind because i'm not going to say know. any of their names on i this. already know Thank you don't you. even have to tell me and we were also supposed to evangelize we were our goal was to have a 24-hour prayer covering which mm. we did get to and, and that was pretty cool i mean just because but we were also supposed to go and evangelize like three or four times a week and i literally didn't share the gospel with a single person i never <laughs> even went <laughs> And that same summer, I led a trip to India. And again, because I was the leader every single day, I was like, I have uh, like admin stuff to do. Like I have to go like exchange more money or whatever. And I never shared the gospel (laughs) single time on that trip either because I hated sharing the gospel so much. Like, oh, so much. And even during the discipleship school, which I loved the D school, I really did at for a very long time, I considered it the best year of my life. I, you know, you're supposed to share the gospel three times a week. Yep. Never nope. lied about it every single time. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I honestly, I think it, I'm not, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. It just, it was fine my year, but so I don't, I don't know that if we've ever talked about this, but one reason it was hard for me is because I was literally the only black person, not just student, but also like staff. And so our like my year our outreach was to East Waco uh mm-hmm. yeah so like our stateside outreach or like not stateside but just like our local outreach was to East Waco which is the predominantly black part of Waco mm-hmm. and I remember we like you know just like went out one afternoon before we were like really starting in groups and you know we're like talking to folks whatever fine but then we come back and they're like oh like who wants to share what they thought. And I just remember people in my class saying like, you know, I was really nervous, but they were so normal. Like they were really normal people. And I just remember my stomach dropping and being like, yeah, they're people. Like, what do you mean? Like they're normal. Like, of course they're normal. And I, that was the moment I was like, oh, this is, and this was like September. So I like just started this nine month program. And I was like, oh my God, what what did I get myself into? And I remember I had to address, I felt like very strongly that I needed to address the class at that point, because I was like, we, this is how I felt about it because I am a black person. I am the only black person. And like, I need you to realize, like, I felt very dehumanized in that moment. Personally, it was a very interesting year because I was already going through a lot of like reconciling myself as a black woman having gone to Baylor, which is very white, very, not everybody has money, but like most people have money. The amount of Porsches I saw 18 year olds driving was baffling. So yeah, it was really, really not my favorite year, but you know, I did it. I mean, Hey, teach their own. I have that experience, but okay. Something I do want to get into for the people, um, because we didn't really get too deep into it like while sharing our experiences like what are some of the things that by the time you got to the question is Antioch a cult like what led up to that point well the interesting thing about being a part of Antioch is you really are always aware 
Well, may, not really at church plants, but if you're at Antioch Waco, especially if you're coming from Baylor, like as a college student, I feel like you are always aware that there is a large group of people in this in that city who believe that Antioch is a cult. This is true. So it's already bugged in you a little bit from mm-hmm. the start because it's different <laughs> yeah. than the other churches around, um, which is part of its appeal to a lot of college students. They're like, oh, this is so different than the normal Baptist experience or the normal Catholic experience that I've had my whole life since those, two, I would say that those two, uh, you know, offshoots of Christianity make up the majority of Texas probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is extreme, which I've had a bunch of conversations with people about what I think makes Antioch border on the, like, I want to say a cult like group. Yeah. That's what I would call it. Yeah. Um, and I think that the, the thing about it is the extremism. Mm. And I mean, when you are a college student, it is a whole even different level of extremism than the rest of Antioch experiences, really. Once you get into young adults, it's a little more tempered down. They're like, you're an adult, you're going to make your own choices. Now, my thought on the reason for that is more so because you are more malleable as an 18-year-old than you are as a 25-year-old. Yep. Especially when you consider the fact that young adults can have people all the way up into their forties. Right. Like, I mean, you have a pretty set age group in the college ministry and Mm -hmm. it is an age in which one, your brain is not fully developed Two, you do not know who you are. No, like, I don't really care who says that they did like, no, you don't No. It's also why I'm kind of against people getting married at 22. Apologies to my sister who's getting married literally in three months and is 23 years old. But <laughs> I mean, that's just um, like a whole, that is definitely a whole other conversation about why. That's just the stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, I mean, I think from the start, you already know that there's a, like, there's already in, in put into you a them and us thing. Yes. So there is, at least in me, there was always this kind of question of like, like, is Antioch legit or is it all just kind of, I don't think made up is the right word, but like unnecessary, mm. the, ex- the extremes in which we are going to. Yes. Um, so that definitely, I think, was the start of it. And then, I mean, I don't know if you were involved at this point in time, but there was there was a campaign at Antioch at one point where a, a uh, jilted staff member had left and then made a blog called like Antioch is a cult.com or something like that. And um, it was the, it was like the second thing that popped up when you Googled Antioch community church or something like that. And they told us that what we needed to all do was go and Google you know, community church and then click all of the other things. And you needed to do this like 20 times a day for a week or something. So that, I mean, now I know from an, it's all from an ISO perspective that it would pop to the second page. Yes. Um, it was just, so there were little things like that, that kept happening that you're like, people have very strong opinions about this church. Like yes. what's the deal? And then really for me, I think that the election really was a big one for me. It was a big eye opener for me on what, like what group think looked like mm. and what absolute trust looked like in a really bad way. Um, yeah. And those were, those were probably the bigger things for me. And then, yeah, the, I had already whenever I had the questions about what I had heard in that Nexium podcast in regards to control and kind of gaslighting tactics, uh-huh. I had been going through a thing in my own personal discipleship relationship at that point in time where I was kind of being pressured to do Sozo, which is yep. an inner healing ministry or an inner healing practice um, that I just really felt like I didn't need to do. Like, I just was really like, I don't think that I need that. 
-hmm. And I was being like kind of pressured into it. So then when this girl was talking about that on that podcast, I was like, that's happening to me now. Mm. And I'm like high up at Antioch, not like some menial little freshman. Like I, you know, on staff at church plan, I've been a part of this church for 10 years. I've served, you know, in six or seven different countries under the Antioch banner, you know what I mean? So it was just, it was kind of, that was one of the eye-opening moments for me for sure. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting. So something that you said before was kind of like the group thing thing, and they want everybody to just like follow the stream and don't come against it. I feel like another thing that really, that's something that I probably am still having to work through is the fact that, you know, it's not even just that like they want everyone to believe the same things like theologically and biblically, but like they want everyone to live their lives the exact same way. And I am like, I'm genuinely having to like unlearn that I don't need to ask somebody, but I just like, I don't need to have somebody like say, yeah, like that sounds like a really good idea. Or hmm, maybe, maybe, maybe you shouldn't do that. Or like, I don't need to tell my full story the first time I meet someone. That is super weird. And I think that's really just, I don't know, maybe that's like across Christianity. But like, even now I like have to be really mindful that I'm not just like, oh my God, like I want everyone to be my best friend because like at Antioch, like that is like what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to just like be nice to everybody. Not that you shouldn't be nice to everybody, but you know what I mean? Like pull them in, get them to tell you Mm -hmm. their story and, you know, recounting your trauma all the time. And, oh, it just, I definitely feel like I lost my sense of self in college and I'm still like trying to get it back. Yeah. Yeah. With the group thing or with the, with the whole process of, you know, them wanting everyone to kind of live their lives the same way, actually one of the most infuriating moments I've had in probably the last couple of years in regards to Antioch was uh, Jimmy has a podcast. He and another pastor did an episode about deconstruction. She was just like, okay, like, come on guys. Y'all anyway, they obviously were not pro deconstruction. Yeah. Because right. they are the church. Um, but when they were talking about it, I just remember getting so mad because the other guy, I'm not going to say his name. He was talking about the family, you know, Antioch really loves to use the family as a surrogate for the church when they explain things. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about, you know, sure. You can de you, the family is the family, no matter what it looks like, because you're a family. And they were saying like, the church is a church, no matter what it looks like, because it's the people, blah, 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 whatever true. That's a true statement. But then he goes, but just because the family can be the family, no matter what, doesn't mean we're going to like stop having family dinners. Doesn't mean we're going to stop having, I'm going to stop having date night with my wife. Doesn't mean I'm going to stop having family devotionals with my kids or that we're going to stop doing family night altogether. Um, Like as all of these things that like the way he was listing them out was we know that these are the things that make for good family relationships. So I'm not going to take those out. And I just remember thinking none of those things are bad. Mm -hmm. Like, sure. You want to live your life like that? Go for it. But the way in which he was speaking about it was like, if you're not doing all of these things, then like you haven't unlocked what it means to like have a functioning family. And my family, I mentioned earlier, I'm the oldest of five kids. We are so extremely close. We love each other so much. We did zero of those things my entire childhood. And I would say I had a pretty idyllic childhood. And I just feel so frustrated that they're just, there's this thought of like, there's only one way to do things. Yes. Even when I was talking about the decision-making process, it's like, I don't have to do a 30 day journal to make a choice, even if it's a big life choice. Sometimes you actually just make decisions in a moment and they turn out fine Mm -hmm. because not everything has this like huge gravity. That's the other thing that kills me about 
I wouldn't even say that's just Antioch, but like kind of spirituality driven Christianity is just like everything weighs so much all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, but yeah, back to the decision-making thing. It's like, I don't need to bring in every single person I know into my process. Right. I can just make choices. Yep. Like, I mean, right now as very, this is so risque in Antioch world. I live with my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, we're very happy. We've lived together for almost a year now. And, um, I didn't tell anyone about it. I just decided to do it. I mean, I told him about it, obviously <laughs> I asked him, but it's like, I didn't need to like call all of my best friends and have them all pray about it. And then tell me what they heard God say mm-hmm. so that I could live with my boyfriend, which if I had asked them that they all would have said no. Yeah. And I wanted to do it. So I did it. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah. So the whole group think thing does really, it's hard. It, I mean, it's, it's just so dangerous. Yeah. That's really what it is. And I mean, the good thing is that while I, while I personally believe that Antioch is promoting some hurtful ideologies, they're, they're not really pushing it to any like extreme level to where it's super dangerous for people. I mean, there obviously is some danger in people like lying to governments as they go into other countries about why, why they're there. That's not great. That is putting people in harm's way, but they're it's within it's decently fine, but yeah, I group think in general is a dangerous concept. Um, and also like absolute trust in leaders, dangerous concept. People don't just deserve your respect or your honor. Antioch is so big on honoring everybody. It's like, Sometimes I don't need to honor someone because they're actually a bad person and I don't want to honor them. And also I get a bad vibe from them. So I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I might pick and choose who I'm going to talk crap about them to because know your audience, but always, I don't feel the need to like sugarcoat all my words about people because like, what did they ever do to me to get to earn my trust? Nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think that those two things really play hand in hand, the group think, and then the like absolute trust of leadership. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, there have, I, I'm sure that we have both heard a million times someone say so-and-so insert Antioch leader here. I'd follow them anywhere. Yep. I'd go with them anywhere. I'd plant a church with them anywhere. I would do anything they ever asked me to. And it's like, that is concerning. Yeah. Like you need more autonomy. Yeah. Figure it out. Right. And I feel like something that I've had to learn and I'm still learning is autonomy. And like, I can make decisions for myself and it's, oh, it's okay. If I don't want to go to Antioch, I remember when I told people I was moving to Denver, they're like, Oh, is there a church plant there? And I was like, Nope. And they're like, Oh, and I was like, mm-hmm. that's actually why I want to move there. Um, like I just, I really wanted, and I have said this in a previous episode, but like, I wanted to make sure that I knew I could find God outside of Antioch community church because they make Mm -hmm. it seem very much like this is where God dwells. It is only here. This is where he is. Like we have figured out the conduit to God and no one else has it. That's how I felt. And I felt, I remember like leaving and I felt really guilty and ashamed and scared to leave because I was like leaving this one church. Like I'm, am I even a Christian anymore? Which is like not fair and not true, but like, that's how it felt leaving was like, I'm giving up everything just because I'm no longer attending this one church. Yeah. I mean, I remember as a college student making comments to my parents about places I would be willing to move after I graduated. And one of the things I said was like, I, I will only move to somewhere that has an Antioch church plant. Yep. And just like, that is weird. Right. I mean, I was also 21. So like yeah. grain of salt, right. didn't know anything, but, and I have plenty of friends who are still involved with Antioch who have moved places that don't have church plants. Um, so that might more have been a maturity thing, but it is a thing that I said. Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, I'm positive at some point in college, I would have made the same comment. Um, 
So to kind of like wrap up our conversation, something I want to ask you is what advice would you give to someone who is at the beginning of maybe a questioning process? Mm-hmm. Um, at the beginning, well, one, just like be willing to explore all of the options mm-hmm. and be, and also you really can trust yourself to go about the process the way that you need to. That's one of the things that I've, I've really learned in these past few years is I cannot convince anyone to leave. Mm-hmm. You like really have to come to it on your own terms. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not in the business of convincing people why they should leave Antioch. I literally totally. don't ever attempt that. But and like the process might take longer for some people. And when you come to a conclusion, whichever one it is to stay somewhere where like Antioch or whatever, or to leave, like both are fine. Yeah. Both are fine. As long as you are assessing what the needs of your heart are and you can be okay with the implications either way, there's hard things on both sides of choosing to stay or choosing to leave. That's one of the things that actually I would say to people who are still at Antioch is I don't think that there is an under a correct understanding from them of how, what it costs to choose to leave. Yeah. It is one of the most painful things I ever did. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful I did it. Like I wouldn't change it now, but it would, it was one of the most painful and hardest things I ever did. It would have been so easy, especially me as a cisgender white woman to just choose to stay, mm-hmm. just ignore it and just stay. Yeah. Like that would have been probably fairly simple. And I yeah. probably could have, if I had put six months into trying to forget about the things that have come up, I probably could have. Right. But it, it costs a lot to choose to leave. But if it's where you are landing, then it will be worth it mm-hmm. on the back end <laughs> because we're people and we evolve. And even in your life with God, which I'm really not at a good place in my life with God right now. I don't know where you feel like you're at. Even in your life with God, like you, ju- the way that we are built is to reassess. Mm-hmm. And sometimes reassessing requires a change of scenery, a change of community, a change of, you know, whatever it may be in order for you to get to that place. And that's also fine. Like you don't have to be like Antioch is my tribe for the next 40 years. As long as you are like engaging in who you are meant to be and wherever you are at with who you think God is like, you can do that from anywhere. I, I even have had multiple conversations with people about like, I really don't think that God would say that the most fruitful place for me to be is in the church at all right now, because Mm -hmm. I'm like coming out of all of this fairly heavy stuff that I need to figure out. And sure. In the Bible, he said, like Jesus said, this is the church that I'll build my rock. Mm -hmm. I'll build my church on or church, the hope of the world whatever, insert random church Bible verse here. Um, That does not mean that God does not have grace for people to do things in different ways. Like, Mm -hmm. I just don't think he's afraid of people doing things unconventionally. Like, I don't think he cares. So he wants you to do what's best for you. And you should not stay somewhere that is detrimental to your mental health. Yeah. I don't really know if that answered your question. Yeah. No, I mean, I I think think people need to hear these things because I feel like, like I genuinely felt afraid of leaving. And so I like very abruptly left, like very abruptly stopped leading life group. And I stopped volunteering and I stopped going physically to church, like beginning of 2017 And I was just like afraid. I was afraid of the implications of like what it meant to leave. And yeah, I mean, I definitely felt like very alone when I moved to Denver, which, you know, was fine, but I'm glad I, I'm glad I did it, but it was definitely like one of the hardest things ever. And, you know, where I'm at with God, um, I think I would, I would still call myself a Christian right now. I just think, especially as a black woman, in America where 
white evangelicalism is basically just Christian nationalism. I I'm struggling with the big church so much right now. And yeah, I'm just really not I'm real. not interested in it. It's a shit show. It's 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 just bad. It's just bad and it's not a safe place for me. <laughs> it's, it's just bad. like it's not a safe space and so I'm I can't say that I'm like doing a lot of work to try to figure it out because like every like you said everything is a mess right now. So that's kind of where I'm at, but hopefully I just want people after listening to this to know that it is okay to have questions. It's okay wherever you're at and if you've gone through hard things like we see you, we understand, and it's going to be okay. And you'll make it. You'll make it through. Oh, Annie, thank you so much for We're all going to make it. Yes. Thank you for doing this. Thank you, thank you so much. Um, okay, everyone, that's uh, this episode. Be sure to follow along on Instagram. And yeah, until next time. <laughs>